Hey fam, did you enjoy last week's episode? We're dealing with the book of Titus and we are just getting started. You do not want to miss today's episode. We're talking about the connection between identity and authority and how it can change your life forever. Let's get started. to the book of Titus for this week and uh, we're going to jump right back into the teaching if you missed last week's teaching you want to go back and listen to it uh, because there were tons of information and revelation there uh, regarding this particular book and the background and the history and the relationship of the author and its receiver that is very pivotal to understanding this book so you want to go back and listen to that Uh, but let's go to chapter one And let's do some work. And we're going to walk through these verses uh, word by word. Uh, It's a very short book, but it is a rich book. And I don't want us to miss anything that God wants to share with us in it. So let's go to chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. All right, let's take some time here. Uh, uh, We're going to try to get through a couple of verses here, but let's take some time. It says, Paul, Paul starts this epistle by first identifying himself and his calling, because this is a pivotal life principle that you've got to grab a hold of if you want to be beneficial and useful in the kingdom of God. And that is this or useful in life and period is that you've got to understand that authority starts with your identity. I'm going to say that to you again, that your authority starts with your identity. You're going to find that people have greater levels of authority. They're going to demonstrate greater levels of confidence if they have a, a, a grasp and a handle and a revelation about who they are. And that people that do not know who they are are always going to be in warfare that is beyond them because they don't have the authority to win. Because winning in life and winning in kingdom is a matter of authority. You've got to have authority. Jesus said uh, uh, when he gave and commissioned his apostles and disciples to go out and heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and cast out devils, they came back rejoicing of all of that. And, and Jesus said, you know, rejoice more that your name is written in heaven. But something else he said, he said, I've given you all power. Uh, I've given you power. Um, but that word there, power should have been authority that I've given you all authority over the power of the enemy because we're not in a power battle. We're not in a power battle. That's not how we win. Watch this. That's not how we conquer. And that's not how we maintain victory. Because if you leave stuff in the power arena, it's going to be a constant struggle. You're going to be in constant conflict. You're going to be in constant strife because it's going to be power for power. But when you establish authority, what you do is you set yourself up on a throne, on a seat. That it doesn't matter who has power in that domain. It doesn't matter who has influence in that domain. What really matters is who has the authority. 
And in order to walk in victory, you've got to live your life from a place of authority. But authority starts with identity. All right. When we're talking about a king or we're talking about a president or anybody that is that is the ruler over our domain, their their rulership is secure because they have the authority. Somebody in that kingdom can have more power than the king. Somebody in that kingdom can have uh, uh, influence over people. Somebody in that kingdom could have more ability, can be smarter, can be more skillful, can be more knowledgeable. But at the end of the day, who's going to rule and reign is the one with the authority. And so if you want to move to a place of victory in your life, you've got to reign in life from a seat of authority. But Paul understood that authority starts with identity. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? You got to answer that question for yourself every single day because every attack of the enemy, every wile of the enemy, every scheme of the enemy, every strategy that he is attempting to employ is about your identity. It's about your identity. You say, no, he's attacking my finances. No, he's attacking your identity as the sheep of God, because the Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So if the enemy is causing me to think that I am in need or I want something, then he's not attacking my resources. He's attacking my identity. You say, no, he's attacking my body. No, because if, if the Bible says that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. If my name according to God is healed and the enemy is attacking my body, then he's not really going for my body. He's going for my identity as the healed. So I've got to become secure in my identity because when I know that I am a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd, then I can move in authority over resources. <laughs> you get that? When I, when I know my identity as the healed of the Lord, then I can move in authority over my body and bring it into subjection to the word of the Lord. But I've got to start with who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Am I the righteousness of God? Then anything that's trying to, to take me over and anything that's trying to make me unrighteous, I have authority over it. And I don't have authority over it by power because see, power leaves it in the realm of ability. And so the enemy keeps fighting us by making us think that I don't have the ability to do that. I don't have the willpower to do that. I don't have the strength to do that. When the truth of the matter is, I don't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't need the willpower. I don't need the strength in myself. What I need is security in my identity. That's why Paul said over in the book of Ephesians, we've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I've got to start with identity. I've got to start with who am I? And Paul starts this letter with identifying who he is, who he is. He deals with this. He wrestles with this. He establishes this. He puts this in the forefront of the mind of the reader so that they understand what I'm getting ready to discuss with you and what I'm getting ready to teach you. I'm not teaching it from a place of power. I'm not teaching it from a place of ability. I'm teaching it from a place of identity. And so because of that, I'm teaching it from a place of authority. All right. So he says he identifies himself. But look at this identification. Number one, he says, I'm a servant of Christ. Now, the real word in the Greek is not servant. It's a word that we don't like, especially in the African-American community. <laughs> I'm going to ruffle some feathers, but it's OK. It's a word that we really don't like. Uh, I don't personally like it. And, and culturally, we just don't like it. But the real word servant there is that that taboo word called slave. 
Paul said, Paul didn't make it nice and pretty. He didn't say that I'm a servant. He didn't say, you know, I serve God. He didn't, he didn't say, no, he said, I am a slave of God. I'm a slave of God. I'm a slave of God. And that word slave, uh, to make sure we're all on the same page here, is a person who is legally owned by someone else and whose entire livelihood and purpose was determined by their master. All right. They're legally owned by somebody else. Paul said, I am a slave of God. I'm legally owned by God. Now, the, the, the concept and the idea of slavery started in the kingdom of God. It started in God's world before it ever got perverted in ours. And it's important to remember that everything that is operating in our world that is wicked, that is perverted, that is ungodly, did not find its origin in this world. It found its origin in God's. All right. I'll give you more proof. The Bible says over in the book of Romans that sin entered the world by one man's act of of disobedience. It didn't say that sin originated in our world. It said it entered it. So if it entered our world, it must have come from another one. (laughs) Man, that's another teaching. So we got to understand that everything in our world does not originate here. It originates in another one. You need more Bible. Uh, uh, Go over to, if you look in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that by faith, we understand that all things that were created in the world were created not by the things that were seen, but by the things that were unseen scene, which means everything in our world originated in another world. All right. So and uh, that, that that's a fundamental Bible principle to understand. So if you have a, 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 a disgruntled uh, attitude towards the concept of slavery, it's probably because you only view it from the earth level. You don't view it from the, the dimension and the kingdom of God. But whenever you look at slavery in the kingdom of God, it's because all things were meant to only have one master. <laughs> all things were meant to have one master and then everything was supposed to be set up by ranks and levels of authority right so that means everything belongs to god the bible says that the earth is his and the fullness thereof everything belongs to god but what god did was set up levels of authority and the and the levels of authority work like this they don't work like i, I humans were meant to enslave other humans that's wicked and it's perverse <laughs> so watch this. So you got to understand that. So when God talks about slavery, he's talking about his mastership, his ownership of the human race. He is the master. He is the owner. He is the ruler of I legally own you. I legally own you, which brings us to the point of understanding the beauty of redemption and the beauty of the gospel is that and why God calls it redemption, because he's redeeming what he legally owns. It was robbed from him. It was stolen from him. It it was he was a thief came in and and tried to uh, 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 abduct what rightfully belonged to the Lord. So when you call yourself living your own kind of life and when people are living for hell and walking after the flesh, what you really are in the kingdom of God is a runaway slave. (laughs) We got a world full of runaway slaves because when you don't live your life in compliance with the master and you don't live your life in compliance with the ruler, the one who sits on the circle of the earth and rule and reign with grace and righteousness, when you don't submit to him, then you are living your life as a runaway slave, a runaway. And Paul was making a point to say, I am first and foremost legally owned by the Lord God Almighty. He is my master. 
He is my master. And so anything, watch this, when that becomes my, my identity, that I am a slave of God, that means that anything else that tries to enslave me is ungodly. It's perverse. It's wicked. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a person. I don't care if it's a desire. I don't care if it's a fantasy. I don't care if it's an idol. I don't care. God does not care. And nothing has the right to enslave me but the Lord. And anything else that tries to is ungodly. It's perverse. It's wicked. That is why slavery in America was perverse and wicked because they uh, a man attempted to do and be what only God intended to be in the lives of humanity. And when man tries to be God, you're always going to end up in perversion. <laughs> so watch this. So slavery, slavery is a kingdom concept and it comes from another place. It does not originate in our world. It originates in God's. And, and Paul understood that. He said, first and foremost, my identity is a slave of God. All right. Now, we're still in verse one, but let's keep going. And he says, and an apostle of Jesus Christ. All right. And an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. Now, that word according should have been for it, it, that, that English word according should have been for the faith of God's elect, which means that Paul understood that first and foremost, I am a slave to God. And then I understand another part of my identity is that I, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. Watch this, but I'm an apostle for the faith of God's elect. So Paul brings clarity to the whole idea and concept of apostleship here. That apostleship, the, uh, the anointing, mandate, commission, and mantle of a sent one is not about building churches. And it's not about building networks. And it's not about uh, uh, making you the supreme hierarchical authority. What, is, what it is about is that God sends apostles. He sends men and women of God for the faith of God's elect, which means that any apostle that or any person that is claiming to be an apostle and they don't have an anointing and, an, and a grace and, a, and an assignment and a mission and a commission and a mandate on their life to ground the faith of the people of God, it is not apostolic. <laughs> you may just be a good gatherer. You may be a good leader. You may be a good overseer. You may be a good builder. You may be, <laughs> you may be a good unifier, but you are not an apostle if you're not one that's been sent for, for the faith of God's elect. For the faith of God's elect. Paul says, I am an apostle. And because I have other people in other areas fighting my apostleship, questioning my apostleship, denying my apostleship, confused about my apostleship, I'm going to bring clarity that I am one. And I'm one because I'm first a slave, because I can't be an apostle if I'm not a slave to the one that sent me. So he says, I'm first a slave, but then I'm going to understand that I am a sent one for the faith of God's elect. For the faith. We need guardians of the faith. <laughs> That's what apostles are. They're guardians of the faith. I know it, it, it sounds fancy and it sounds like a, a celebrity status to call yourself an apostle. But are you guarding the faith? Jude put it this way. I am contending for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I want the faith of the first century church. I, I've got to be a contender and a guardian of the faith that birthed the church. I want to be a contender and a guardian for the faith that, that made the church one of the 
the uh, most, the, the world superpowers in the planet. I want to be a, a, a contender and a guardian for the faith that turned the world upside down. The faith that entered the planet and changed its eras. That is the faith I want. That is the faith I guard. That is the faith I contend for. And that is the faith that Paul said that I am an apostle sent for. That's my ultimate purpose. That word according means for. For the ultimate purpose of. It's the ultimate purpose of. All right. So I'm not an apostle because I want legacy. <laughs> oh, y'all not going to like this. I'm not an apostle because I want legacy. I'm not an apostle because I'm building a name for myself. I'm not an apostle because I have spiritual sons and daughters. I'm not an apostle because I have disciples. I'm not an apostle because I have supreme revelation. I'm not an apostle because I can move and, and, and move in power and miracles and signs and wonders. No, Paul said, I am an apostle because I've been sent to contend and guard the faith of the saints. I've been sent to contend and guard the faith that did not originate in this world. It originated in God's. And so what you're going to find is Paul finds himself stationed between two worlds that he is an apostle because he is a, a person that stands at the gateway and the portal of God's world and man's world. And he is making sure that man's world never forgets their origin in God. <laughs>